Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. I think uh, Tuba City is almost the, uh, pretty close to the highlight of my year. Every year I go, I, I get the joy of seeing our students um, minister so well. And very encouraged by just the skit writing and the curriculum stuff that we all do. It's, it's really good. Uh, why don't we just bow for a moment as we uh, pray. And uh, then I'll take us into some lessons that I think are important from Tuba City. Again, Father, we just acknowledge your love for people. A love that is greater than ours, a love that discerns things that we so often miss because we're blinded by our own distractions or we're even blinded by our own prejudices or our way of seeing things. And so we ask uh, in your kindness and your mercy and your grace that you will open up our eyes, not just to Tuba City, but the world that we live in, uh, the one that we walk in as individuals and the one that we walk in as seven plus billion people. And we pray for your heart, for your heart for people, because to you, what really matters in all of this is people. Ultimately, your glory, but people. And so we pray for your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I just wanted to share a few things from Tuba City. Every year as we go through this, I like to just share some of the things that really uh, strike me about Tuba City. And uh, I have to start by being honest. There's, there are usually three times uh, that I don't really want to go to or be in Tuba City. Uh, the first time is usually sometime during training. It could be the third or the fourth week. But usually right around then it's kind of like, man, all this stuff that we're doing, I don't know if it's really worth it. I don't know if it's really want to go. I don't know if I really want to go at all. And uh, then it usually also happens at the airport after uh, my family drops me off and I think I'm going to miss my, my wife and my kids all week long. Fortunately, Kaylee came with us. That helped out. Uh, but I just kind of think, of, man, it'd just be so nice to just be able to be home uh, in my own bed. I don't look forward to sleeping in Gray Hills Inn. I don't uh, look forward to all the plane sitting and the car driving and fighting with little kids to get them into class and all that stuff. And uh, that's just kind of takes away the desire to want to go. And then usually, uh, right around Tuesday or Wednesday, as I see sometimes the chaos and, and the, the kids running out of the classrooms and the ones you have to corral, and, and then I have to sit down and threaten them with things like, if you don't go back to your classroom, I'm not going to give you lunch, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, that's, I do that, I know, I admit it, pizza. Um, it just uh, really takes that desire uh, away to want to be in, in Tuba City. And uh, then... At times like this, when we reflect on it, even when I'm there by Thursday night, I think, man, this was one of the best things we've done all year long. And, and I really love being here because the interaction, not only with the VBS kids, uh, not only the interaction that I have among our students that go, but also the interaction among the people who come, the adults, uh, even the pastors who come out to see us, who are encouraged by us, and, and really strengthen. And it makes me realize that what we do actually does matter. It might not be good for my comfort, 
but it is good for the people of, of Tuba City. And so there are three things I think that I learned, hopefully, there are many others uh, that I've learned, but I want us to just go over three of them. And the first one I find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you want to ch- turn there to me, it's a chapter that maybe even some of you have memorized, but I think it's very important because uh, to me it just really resonated a lot this year. And uh, the first thing I want to say, without love, missions work. Actually, any ministry is nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 reads this way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, I think, is an important part of anything that we do, especially missions. And thinking about Tuba City, I think this is most important because a lot of times I feel that what we focus on is the program. What we focus on is the program, the things that we have to get done, uh, the preparations that we have to make, the things that we have to do to make sure that everything flows, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. It's just not the primary thing. But unfortunately, it's the very thing that we actually get lost in, the thing that we miss out on. And uh, this year, I think we had a lot of opportunities to see sort of that love or program thing that works. Uh, One of the nights, Wednesday night, every night, every year I should say, we get together with the Assembly of God Youth Group, and uh, we have a prayer and praise from 7 to 9 o'clock. And this year, a wonderful family said, you know what, we would really like to make you guys dinner, and um, which is unusual because we plan out all our own dinners, and Randy had pork chops for the night, and we're all looking forward to the pork chops that we were going to be eating, but they said, and I think it's lamb stew. Did I get that right? Lamb stew, beef stew, whatever stew. Whatever it was, man, it was good. It was good stuff. But they said, you know what, we're going to be there at 6 o'clock. And so we got there about 5.50, and uh, 6 o'clock came, and then uh, 6.30 came, and then 7 o'clock came, and then 7.30 came, and uh, we're like, oh, man, this is crazy because, one, we're really hungry. And uh, they're not following the program because the program is if you say that you're going to be here at 6 o'clock, you need to be here at 6 o'clock because we have prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. And so we kind of called an audible. And uh, so we started the prayer meeting. We had the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting ended probably about 8, 10 or so. And uh, the food still was not there. And there's a part of us that is frustrated by that. Because our thinking is, if the program says 6 o'clock, 8.10 is absolutely unacceptable. I mean, we're hungry. But what I recognize is more important than the program are the people. Because even though, <coughs> even though we don't know what's going on, here's what the story was. The family really, really wanted to bless us. Because they had been so blessed by the first two days They just said, man, we want to feed you. And we want to give you something that's really good. And Randy's cooking was really good. But they were saying, we want to bless you. And so they said 6 o'clock, because that's what we had asked for. But the mom doesn't get home from work until 6 o'clock. And yet they poured their hearts into making a meal for us. What was our reaction? I think some of us were frustrated. But for me, I think suddenly I, I had 
and not like the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of Navajo come upon me. And I realized something, which was, you know what? This dinner is important, but what is more important are the people who are making it. So whether they're late or not, it doesn't make any difference. And I, trust me, I was hungry. But for two hours, which is really unusual because I love food, for two hours of absolute peace, just trusting that what was going to happen was still going to be good because the more important value was loving the people who were loving us. Could you imagine our reaction if they showed up and we said, hey, you know what? We already have food. We don't need your food. We'll just eat our own food. Or to have already eaten the food that was already made because we were going to make two dinners. We were going to really feast because they offered to do this. And it made me realize that what is more important is the fact that they loved us so much and wanted to bless us so much that our response needed to not follow a program, but to experience what it means to love somebody in their culture, somebody in their world. Because the Navajo aren't as bent out of shape like we are about time. Like, worship service starts at 10 o'clock here, right? And you're all here. I appreciate that. 10 o'clock. Nobody's late ever. Right? No, but we get bent out of shape. Oh, man, it's 10.15. It's 10. And for them, even the struggle in the morning when we're looking for the worship leader to come and he's not there yet and we start at 9.15. And suddenly we're thinking, it's 9.15. Maybe we should start leading worship. But they work it different. In fact, the first day, as you saw in the updates, we had 18 kids that were there by 9.15. If we shut our doors, then... 30 other kids would not have been able to come in. Those kids were rolling in at 11 o'clock and we end at 12.15. Because to them, time isn't matter. It's relationship. It's relationship. You see, Tuba City does not need another VBS. Tuba City does not need another VBS. In essence, they really don't need us. Because I looked at the pastor's calendar and there was a VBS two weeks before us. There was another VBS two weeks after us, and all the other churches, almost every week, somebody has a VBS, a camp meeting, a revival meeting. Tuba City does not need more Bible per se. It does not need more preaching. It does not need more groups to come and do something. What they need is love. And the one thing that I really appreciate about about their pastor, he says, I'm not really worried about the program which we could say is culture, but that's fine. But he says, you know why we invite you guys back here? Is because you love our kids. You see, it's not about the program. We all freak out. We have to have everything in order and everything look nice and neat in our missions mindset and not realizing that what those kids cry out for is someone to love them. And that's why I love Tuba City because I get to see these kids love on kids. We had a smaller team this year. We had 10 children. I'm sorry. My apologies. You're not children. Horribly. If, I don't know why I said that. Forgive me. 10 young adults and two guys over 50. <laughs> and one a little older, but not me. But I won't mention Randy. But can you picture the scene? There's like 60 kids running around this sanctuary. And you can see someone like Ryan with a kid on his back chasing after another kid playing tag. 
You look at Elijah sitting there on his seat during worship with a little girl on his lap and he looks like Uncle Elijah. That to me is an absolute pleasure to see that these kids aren't focused on we got to get this nailed down, but we need to love. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't have any program. I'm not saying don't be organized. And in our culture, we need to be. But when we do missions, we don't always need to be. I can't show up at the airport and say, I'd like to have some plane tickets. I can't show up at Gray Hills Inn and say, hey, we'd like to rent out some rooms. In fact, love is so important. On the first night that we got there, Sunday night, and we arrived at Gray Hills Inn, guess who was there to receive us? Anyone want to guess? Anyone want to guess no one? Go ahead. Anyone going to guess no one? Yeah, no one. No one was there to receive us. So we called security. Hey, uh, wondering if we could get into Great Hills because we have a reservation. And uh, she goes, I don't have no reservation for you. I don't, I don't know why you guys are here. What's going on? So I had, to get, I had to get out my computer and see. So now I have an option. In our culture, if someone gives us that kind of customer service, what do we do? Right? We get upset. What do you mean you don't have a reservation? I've had this reservation since the middle of May. How can you not know? So what did I do? I yelled at the guy. I said, what's wrong with you people? Don't you understand the business world that we... How are you going to do business? And then when we get in there, look at the place, man. There's crickets all over the place. Not live. Dead. Why? Because, in fact, you know what was even worse? One of our kids said, you know, we went into the girls' bathroom and the shampoo that was here last year is still there. <laughs> what? I can't tell how furious I wasn't. I didn't yell at the guy. I promise you, I did not yell at you. Because I understood one thing. We're down there to love these people. We're not there to tell them how to run their business. In fact, you know what happened? The lady who took our reservation had been fired two weeks beforehand and forgot to tell us, to tell anyone else that we were coming. But it worked out. We still stayed at Gray Hills. Still a nice place. But it's love. Could you imagine if I yelled at this guy? Hey, uh, so why are you here in Tuba City? Oh, we're here to share the love of Jesus with people. <laughs> really? It's not about the program. It's about the people. If we go down there, if, 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 like Paul would say this, if I do a VBS in the tongues of men and of angels, even in the tongues of the Navajo, but don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You see, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. And Paul was telling them, listen, okay, I get it. People, issues, relationships, difficulties, but if you're going to sit there and say, we want to proclaim to you the love of God and then focus on anything but the people and loving the people like God loves the people, you've missed the point. You're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And the crazy thing is that we bring our culture to their culture and expect them to be like us. That's not very loving. But watching our students grasp that. You know, this is the crazy thing about that Wednesday night. Not one kid, oh, I did it again. Not one student came up to me and said, man, I am so hungry. I'm so annoyed. I'm so bothered. 
if they're like me, they were probably just as hungry too. But it warms my heart to know that they get what missions means. It means love. It means love, even more so than the program. Because to these people, the Navajo, the Assembly of God, the Hopi, and all the other churches in the area, it's all about love. Now, I wish I could tell you I'm perfect in my love, but usually at Tuba City, there's one or two families that really make me angry. And again, this year, same family shows up out of nowhere at 6 o'clock for dinner. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you here? You have kids, but you don't bring them to the VBS. But I know you're here for dinner, and that makes me mad. And it reveals my heart. And you know, I'll be honest with you, 6.30, I'm thinking, okay, nobody's coming yet. Maybe they'll leave. 7 o'clock, maybe they'll leave. 7.30, maybe they'll leave. They stayed. And it revealed my heart. And it was at that moment that God says, really? Really? Where's the love? And I had to say, the love is gone right now at this moment because I'm all worried about my Western thinking that you sort of have to work to get something. Like you have to be here. You just can't show up and say, I'm here to eat. You can't do that. Why not? Why can't you? God's asking me, why can't they just show up and eat? What makes you think you know their situation? When I don't. What gives you the right to judge them when I don't? Where is the love? Because if you can sit there and be angry at people who are hungry, you're nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Proclaiming this free gift of God that when people come for a free gift of food, you're turning them away. (coughs) And I think that's what we need to look at even in our own lives. To understand what it means to love. To love like God. So Tuba City, one of the things I learned is that without love, missions work. In fact, any ministry is nothing. We need to be loving. Here's the second thing that I learned. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It reads this way. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Community is a powerful thing. And again, we've talked about this before in the book of Hebrews. These Jewish believers are having a really hard time following Christ. Not only are they Jewish, but now they're followers of the way, which makes it even doubly hard for them to get what they need. And they're struggling with that. And they're ready to give up. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't give up. Get together as a community and continue to pursue Christ together as a community. (coughs) The most heartbreaking moment of our Tuba City trip this year was Thursday night. Every Thursday night we have a goodbye sort of program. We invite the parents, invite the parents to come. The parents watch and go, this is what we have done all this week. This is what we've tried to teach your children and our hope is that you can see the love of Jesus in the midst of all of that. And Thursday night, each class gets up there and they give a special part of a program. And so every class went and then the 10-year-olds got up there and, uh, you know, it's really cool to see Arnie up there. You know, like he's like six feet three and all the little kids are there and he's much bigger than him. He's got his man bun and all that other stuff. And they did a hand motion song. 
And uh, I don't know if any of you noticed this. And then I don't know if I'm the only person that noticed in the hospital. It was absolutely heartbreaking. But in the beginning, you guys had like about, what, 11 kids in your class at the, at the Thursday night thing? About 11 of them, right? And one of these girls, man, she was going off, man. She was doing the motions. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. I was so happy to see her. She was smiling. And, and then she did something that she never should have done. She looked around. And guess what she saw? No one else was doing the motions like her. I have never seen a conversion like that in my whole life. She went from absolute joy and excitement to rock-bottom depression. She stopped doing the motions. All the other kids around her sort of doing the motions. She just stopped doing the motions. She didn't cry, but you could just see the darkness that fell. And that spoke to me about the necessity and the power of community. Community coming together. Because I really think if the other nine kids had been moving around like she was moving around, she would have kept on going and she might have even gotten more excited about what was happening. She was so excited to be in front of people doing these hand motions so well and then seeing that no one else was with her, she quit. Do you ever feel like that when you follow Jesus? Excited to follow him and then you look around and no one else is with you. She just stopped. And it broke my heart. Because to see that an actual action is painful. Because it makes me realize that, for her at least, if life is like this, then what hope does she have in following Jesus if no one will walk with her? And it reminds me not only of Harvest, but church in general. Isn't it hard to follow Jesus in the world that we live in? I mean, if it were so easy, there'd be a lot more people, I think, here. But it's not. It's difficult. All of the things that we work through, all of the struggles that we have, all of the circumstances that overwhelm us, if we can't look around and say, who is with me other than God, and we're supposed to represent him, what do I have? Why should I press on? And she gave up. And I think a lot of people give up simply because in the midst of all of this, it's devastating to be alone. Now, this week, we went to JGen. Uh, I went with uh, AFC and uh, 15 students uh, from our ministry. And uh, I don't know, how many of you have ever been to JGen? Or even know what JGen is? JGen is, is a youth conference. Um, it's, it's like a one-in-oil conference. And it's, it's an incredible conference because... The thing about it is you bring about 800 kids together and about 400 adults, and the worship is, it's, it's long. It's long. In fact, one of our students was like, you know, I mean, after the first four or five songs, I was good, but when they hit about ten, song number 10, it was like, that's it, man, there's too much. They just, they sing, man, and they sing, and, they, and you're like, please, and they sing more, and then they have a long message, and then they sing the same set all over again. So it's like two and a half hours of singing. But the crazy thing is, when you go and you watch, you have like 750 kids, except for the 50 kids that are really like, I'm not going to do this stuff because I'm too cool for it. But 750 kids jumping around, going, ah, 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 you 
it up. And they're doing this stuff. And they're doing the signs. And they're going in the circles. It's the craziest thing. We can't even get 20 people here at Harvest to do that. Could you imagine 750 kids going all out crazy in worship? How do they get away with that? Because there's a community that is around them that supports them in that and says, God is worthy. God is worthy. Let's join together and sing as loud and as hard as we can because when we go back home, it's not going to be the same thing. But I'm going to enjoy God here. And that's the power of community. It's the power of us coming together as a church. And like the, re- reader, the writer of Hebrews is saying, is this, listen, exhort everyone, one another, every day as long as it is called today. Get in that community and get together because pursuing Jesus is a difficult thing in any world, anywhere. In fact, if following Jesus is a very comfortable thing, and this is what scares me about me, if it's a very comfortable thing, if it's an easy thing, if it's a not-so-difficult thing, what we're really seeing then is, perhaps I'm not really following Jesus like I should be. Community is a powerful thing. And what is the basis of community? It goes back to love. Our need to love one another. Here's the third thing I learned. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Also another familiar verse. And the context here is pretty simple. For the first 11 chapters of Paul's letter, even though he didn't have 11 chapters, he's just saying how good God is in the midst of our sin. God has blessed us, rescued us, delivered us, saved us, justified us, glorified us, all these things that God has done. And he comes to this point and he says, I urge you or I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. In other words, worshiping God is more about God than our experience. Worshiping God is more about God than our experience. How many of you find it difficult to worship here? Don't raise your hands because then, you know, somebody will get blamed for it. But I find it very easy to worship here. Worship team is good. Preaching is good, praying is good, all kinds of community, that's all good. How many of you have ever gone to a church service at Tuba City? Those of you who have gone in the past. Enjoyable, right? Okay, if you're saying that, I'm not really sure you've gone to Tuba City and worshipped. Because some of the churches that we've gone to, they have people get up there who can't sing. And they sing. And I think to myself, how do they, how, come on, man. How are you going to grow a church to two or three or 400, 500 people with those kind of voices? Right? <laughs> and God says, what is wrong with you? You know what I mean? I mean, I can hear God just shouting, really? Seriously? Not to them, to me. Because the problem isn't with them. You know what they're doing? They are pouring out their heart to God in love. They're saying, by these great mercies, God has rescued me. God has delivered me. God has freed me. I mean, we're living in a barren land. And I don't care if my voice stinks, but I'm going to sing in as loud and as hard as I can because I want to worship God. Because it's not about my experience. It's about Him. 
And that's our default, isn't it? Man, I hear people say, I can't really worship because the worship isn't like what it is. In fact, this year, I'm so stinking arrogant, I plan on going to Flagstaff and preaching at one tribe rather than going to Tuba City because I don't know if I can handle another one of those services. Absolute arrogance. We got invited to Assembly of God. And uh, pastor says, you know what, I just want to do an interview. So we did an interview. But this is what I learned about their worship. Because in the past, before this pastor got there, there was some really rough worship services. But I want you to picture the worship team. Uh, there's one guitarist and a drummer. <clears throat> and the guitarist's name is Sean. He's the pastor's son. And uh, he is like the male Audrey on a guitar. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if you can play guitar or not, Audrey. But this guy is good. We fell in love with him last year. We wanted him to bring him out to retreat. We just, we just loved every, he's got a, he's got this voice like he could, he, he could win the voice maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm not a music person, but he is really good. And the pastor's on the drums. Okay? And he's pretty good too. In fact, later on in the service, he picked up the guitar and he started playing the guitar. And I was like, wow, he's pretty good. I'm, I'm really envious of him. That service was awesome. It wasn't a harvest quality service. But it was a quality service. And the reason it was quality was because they were so willing to just pour out their hearts and so flexible with what God is doing and wanted to do. That was it. That was their worship. We are here for God. We're not here for a program. We're not here to have the minutes clocked out to be able to work on those. We're just here to God. In fact, the pastor gets up and says, Hey, anyone have any announcements? His wife strolls up and gives a 15-minute message. He says, anyone got a testimony? Some guy from the back comes back up and says, I got a testimony. He comes up and he gives a testimony. At the end of the service, instead of saying, thank you for coming, he says, you know what? We are here today because this group of people love us. They've come from Chicago to show us Jesus. And then as a church, as a whole, they got on their knees and begged God to forgive them for not having the same heart that we had. And I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy. If we're going to measure that, look at my heart. My heart's in a really bad place, and you guys are... The pastor's on the floor lying prostrate. Why? Because to them, worship is about God, not their experience. They don't need a full band, and we have a full band, and it's a good band. They don't need the great preaching, and we have some great preaching here. I get all that, but worship is about God. And so I tried to teach the students, even as we're going through this week, in preparation for this, that worship is about acknowledging the person and presence of God. Wherever you're at, you can worship. And it's not about your experience. It's about God. And when you can see that it is about God, it is about God's mercies here. God's mercies. God's great mercies. You who were children of wrath have been delivered by the Son of God, God himself, coming from heaven down to earth to live a life, ultimately to die a painful death on a cross, to rise from the dead, to ascend into heaven. That's the gospel. And when you realize who you are, how can you not worship God? Because it's not about our experience. I mean, I mean, I joke all the time. If I sang for the worship team, there'd be 10 people in this church. And I have seven in my family. 
And the other three are people who don't have friends. But let's be honest. It's not about my singing, if it ever happened, and it won't, I promise you. It's about meeting God. It's about meeting God. And so when I feel sometimes when I go down to Tuba City, I think to myself, what am I doing here? I'm the one who needs the mission. I'm the one who needs the VBS. I'm the one who needs to hear about the love of God because I'm not feeling it right now. Or how to worship God because I'm not feeling it right now. Where the people in Tuba City are following Jesus in a very difficult environment because they understand worship is about God. It's about God. Meeting Him. Praising Him. Thanking Him. And leaving with a sense of obedience. Those are the lessons I learned. That's what I learned at Tuba City. And it's something that I think doesn't have to stay just at Tuba City. It can't be there for me. My worship experience, I think at Tuba City, that day as we sat there was better than Jajin. And for those of you that went to Jajin, you might be thinking, that's crazy, man. That was good stuff at Jajin. And it was, man. It was really good. That band rocks. But when I'm in Tuba City, I see desperate people, desperate for God, crying out for him. And that's my prayer for all of us, that we actually then do three things. One, we learn how to love like God loves. Not some mushy kind of love that accepts anything and everything. Not a tough love that beats people over the head for everything that they do wrong. But the sort of love that God has. God's love that does point out that which is wrong, but walks with that person. Which leads me to that second thing of walking in community. And I would even add, even though Pastor Jared's not here and he's on vacation, that if you don't have a community that you're walking with, you're missing out. And the final thing is that wherever you are, Learn how to worship God. Just acknowledge his presence. As I was telling the students earlier in the trip, man, Romans 8, 11, we don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to fall on this place. He's already here. Because Romans 8 tells us that he lives within us. He's already here. He's already here. And so we can worship him anywhere, everywhere, anytime, every time we are in his presence, always and forever. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.